0: going to read from the Bible together now, and we're turning to Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. Uh, You'll find that passage on page 830 of the Pew Bibles, page 830, Matthew 25. Uh, This is a section in which Jesus is teaching about his second coming, about his visible return one day. And to illustrate all that he's been teaching, Jesus tells a story. And it's Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13, page 830 in the Pew Bibles. As we read this part of the scriptures, we remember that it's God's word to us. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this evening. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew 25. You'll find our Bible passage tonight on page 830 of the Pew Bibles, page 830. And as you're turning to that passage, let's pray for a moment together. Lord, how we long to be nearer to you, with you forever in eternity in that perfect place that you're preparing for us. But yet here we are on earth waiting for your visible return. And we pray tonight that as we consider your word, you would come near to us by your spirit, that you would speak into our hearts and lives, that you would challenge us if we don't know and love the Lord Jesus, and that you would help us to walk faithfully with him and for him if we do. We pray that you'd speak to us all through your word and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this evening we're we're finishing a short series that we've been running over the past number of weeks. Uh, We've been thinking about some parables that Jesus told while he was on earth. Uh, We've thought about three parables from Luke's gospel and this is our second parable from Matthew's gospel. Uh, The title of the series, as you'll see on the screen, has been Summer Stories. Summer is a time or a season when we read a little bit more than usual, and what we've been doing in church is reading stories Jesus told, and we've been applying them to our lives and our situations. Uh, We had a great day yesterday at our fun day and our building project, Walk Around. If you were here this morning, you'll have seen the video of our day. If you haven't, it's on our church website. Uh, As you'll know, we were running tours of the building site and to help with organization, we set up specific times for tours, half 12, half 1, half 2, and half 3. And each tour lasted about half an hour or 45 minutes. But before each tour, the same thing happened. You'll hopefully remember, but if you're struggling, what happened before each tour was that I used a megaphone to gather everyone up. The 12.30 tour is starting shortly. Make your way down to the entrance, please. And everyone was very obliging and Went to the entrance for their specific tour and everything ran very smoothly. But we're familiar with those sorts of announcements. Please make your way to the entrance. If you go to the theatre, you'll hear the words at the end of the interval, please return to your seats. Towards the end of Matthew's Gospel, in the section we're jumping into this evening, Jesus is teaching people about his return. He's making his way to the cross, but he's already talking to his disciples about his second coming. And what he tells his followers is that his return is not going to be like an announcement by megaphone. It's not going to be like an announcement at the theater. There's going to be no prior warning. Jesus says, therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. The, The big message of this part of the Bible, the point of our final summer story is that Jesus is coming back and we all need to be ready. Succinctly by verse 13 in the passage we've read together, Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. As we've hinted at already, this parable comes in the middle of a prolonged teaching session that Jesus is providing for his disciples. He's been telling them about his return, and now he wants to drive home his point. And he does that by telling a story. Uh, we, we've noted in this series that Jesus is a master storyteller. He's the greatest storyteller the world has ever known. When we read of him telling stories in the Bible, what we're supposed to realise is that he would have had everyone—he would have had everyone's attention. Everyone would have been listening closely, hanging on his every word. The story that we're looking at this evening is a memorable one, and it's important for us to look at this story because one of the greatest lies of the evil one is that this just does not matter this does not matter and jesus will not return that, that that's the lie our culture and world has swallowed the idea of god coming again visibly for all of us to see is laughed at it isn't taken seriously at all and most people have dulled their minds to the fact that jesus will one day return but he will he has promised that he will and with that in mind, we, we really need to consider this, this parable carefully. This parable has some important reminders for those of us who know and love the Lord Jesus. And it has some important truths for those of you who don't trust in Christ. We're going to think about three things from this parable. First of all, God will surprise. Secondly, God will expose. And thirdly, God will divide. Very simple outline. And we're going to start with point number one. God will surprise look at what Jesus says in verse 1 of the parable he says then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom the dominant picture that Jesus is using in this parable is a wedding now we don't know an awful lot about a wedding ceremony in first century Palestine but there are a few details that give us a sense of what happened we know that there was a time of betrothal which is more formal than engagement nowadays Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they were married. At the end of a period of betrothal, the marriage took place. Normally the bridegroom and his party made their way to the home of the bride and that's where the marriage ceremony took place. Would have been a much cheaper option nowadays when compared with the price of some venues. But the bride's house was the venue of the wedding. And after the wedding ceremony, there was a procession. The wedding procession made its way to the bridegroom's house And these processions were usually amazing. They would have happened at night. Torches would have been lit and there would have been lights everywhere. And this is what Jesus is hinting at in this parable. He doesn't talk about the wedding procession specifically or explicitly, but he mentions 10 girls who are involved in going out to meet the bridegroom. They must have belonged to the bride's party and they would have had their place in the procession. Jesus tells us that five of of them were foolish and five of them were wise. Five of the girls took their lamps but didn't bring any extra oil. The other five took oil in jars along with their lamps. Now the idea of these torches is kind of hard to grasp but basically a torch without a jar of oil was as useless as a modern day torch without a battery. What the girls would have had to do was to pour oil on the rags at the end of their torches to get them to burn brightly. But the foolish girls hadn't bothered to bring any extra torches with them. Verse 5 tells us that the bridegroom was delayed and they, all the girls, all ten girls, became drowsy and slept. In the culture at the time, there was no real pressure in terms of time. Sometimes we talk about Buckna time. You'll know what I mean. Stuff just happens on Buckna time. It was kind of the same in ancient times. An interesting little detail from the parable is that it's the bridegroom who is late, not the bride. Normally it's the other way around. Sorry, ladies, but it's normally the other way around. But the sense that we get from reading the parable is that people didn't rush themselves when it came to weddings. Naturally then, the girls who are involved in the wedding become tired and fall asleep. The the, the all-important coming happens in verse 6. But at midnight, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. The bridegroom hasn't actually arrived, but he has been sighted, but his coming is coming as a surprise. Everyone is sleeping. They didn't know the day or the hour, and he comes when they least expect it. This is the point that Jesus has been trying to get across to everyone listening. In Matthew 24, 44, he says, Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That's what the bridegroom does. And it's what Jesus will do. His coming will be a surprise. Not because it isn't planned. It'll be a surprise because we don't know when it will happen. If you ever hear someone saying Jesus will return on this specific date, just quote Matthew 24:44 and walk away. No one knows the day of Jesus' return. But the promise of scripture is that God will end what he began. Well, one day he will blow the final whistle. One day he will roll up history like a carpet. The, the, the thing that we have got to understand, especially if you don't come to church that often or you're not a Christian, is that this is really going to happen. It's quite an abstract thought. And you've probably heard the Turner burn sermons before. And you're quite good at shrugging it off. But despite Jesus' return being abstract for us, We just don't know when it will happen. It will happen, we just don't know when. Tomorrow at work, Wednesday at tea time, Friday night when the television is on, later this year, a day in the not too distant future, miles down the track. You just don't know. You can't say for certain. The the, the Apostle Peter speaks about Jesus' return and he says, says that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The return of Jesus, Peter says, will be like the coming of a burglar. You won't expect it. He will come when you're not planning for it. We live on, a, on the edge of a great precipice. We live on the edge of eternity. And one day, God will surprise. The fact that God will surprise means that some things of great importance must be dealt with. And that leads us on to our second point. God will surprise and God will expose. The parable continues in verse 7. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. What the girls would have been doing was that they would have been putting more oil on the oily rags within their lamps to make sure that their torch was burning brightly and was giving out lots of light. The foolish girls realise that they have a problem in verse 8. They haven't brought any oil. In their minds, though, the, pro- the problem has a simple solution the other girls will give them some oil to see them through. That's not what happens though. Look at verse nine. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Seems a bit harsh when we read it. Surely it would have been kind of the wise girls to share some of their oil with the girls who have forgotten theirs. The thing about the parable is that it's not teaching us about sharing. One person really helpfully says, that the parable is intended to remind us that no one can ultimately rely on someone else's preparedness. No one can rely on someone else's preparedness. You see, what Jesus is saying here is that he will expose what has been hidden and concealed. He will expose spiritual realities that have previously been hidden It might be possible for you to pretend that you're a Christian now, but it won't be possible when you stand before the God of the universe. Jesus will expose and reveal where you really stand before him when he returns. The the five girls who have extra oil have taken their preparation more seriously. They have realized that the bridegroom will surprise and they're ready so that when he comes and they are exposed, they will be prepared. A good illustration for us as we think about Jesus exposing uh, previ- ex- exposing previously hidden realities is to think of an exam. Now, I didn't love exams when I was at school. When, when I was growing up, I played far too much football manager and didn't do enough revision. But what happens when you sit an exam? You're judged on the answers you give. You're judged on the answers you write down on the exam paper. The, the worst moment in an exam is when the invigilator says, you can turn over your papers now. It's the worst moment because it's when you find out if your gamble on guessing the questions has paid off. In an exam, you're judged on the answers you provide. You have to answer all the questions on the paper within a certain amount of time. You can't present someone else's work either. You can't cheat and you can't just not answer the questions. And that's a good illustration for us because sitting an exam isn't all that different, different from standing before God. When you're summoned to stand before the invigilator of the universe, the exam will be simple. There'll be one question, did you trust in Christ? And it's a yes or no answer. You can say yes and present the work of Christ on your behalf, but if you say no and try to present your own work, well, that won't cut it. You've got to understand this if you're in any way inclined to think that your religious performance will be your way to heaven. You've got to understand this if you think that you'll pass the test because you're not that bad and you're good living. This parable is teaching us that God will expose whether or not we've actually trusted in him. You can't get faith from someone else. You can't get into God's heaven on the coattails of others. You can't rely on your parents' faith. You can't rely on religious performance. You can't rely on membership of something like the Orange Order. You have to go to God. You have to go to the bridegroom. You have to be prepared for the surprise so that you're not surprised when you're exposed. God will surprise, God will expose, and thirdly, God will divide. God will divide. We see the division in the last few verses of the story. Verse 10 says, And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Jesus leaves out some of the detail of the story and tells us what happens to the girls who are ready for the bridegroom. They go into the wedding banquet, and the door to the banquet is shut. Now, this isn't the first time a door shuts in the Bible. When Noah and his family were in the ark, the door is shut behind them. God had given people time to repent, but eventually that time ran out. In verse 10, we read that, that the foolish girls are running around looking to buy oil. They must find some eventually or they simply just turn up late to the wedding. But look at what happens in verse 11. Afterward, the the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And then listen to the bridegroom's response in verse 12. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. God will divide. The, the striking thing to notice is that the foolish girls want to be there. They're pleading to get in. The, the, the response of the bridegroom is, is chilling though. It's, it's devastating. I don't know you. The, the big message right throughout this parable is that you must be ready. What we see in these closing verses is that you gate crash the wedding unless you have a burning torch. Unless you have a living relationship with the Lord Jesus, he will say, I don't know you. There's a real punch to this passage. God will surprise, God will expose, and God will divide. One person says that Jesus will reject those who, despite appearances, never made preparation for the coming of the kingdom. Real faith, real trust in Christ is a, is a ready faith. Now, what does it look like to be ready? Well, it's fairly simple. You, you must believe for the first time, and then you must continue to believe. It's believing that Jesus is who he says he is and that he has paid the price for your sin on the cross. But it's also continuing to believe that. The, the Christian faith is not far insurance. It's not a one-time deal. It's not something that you do and and, and sort and that's it. To, to, to be a Christian is to trust in Jesus and then it's to continue to live for him after that initial step. But Being ready, having a, a ready faith is to be the standard daily position of our lives So someone has put it in these simple terms the only way to be ready on that day the day of jesus return is to be ready every day the only way to be ready on that day is to be ready every day for the foolish girls being ready just didn't matter enough calvin says that they were distracted by the world's business They wanted to be at the wedding, but it's possible that they thought that a comfortable life was more important. What's more important to you than eternity? If you're not a Christian here tonight, answer that question honestly. What is more important to you than eternity? In one of his books, C.S. Lewis says, there are only two kinds of people in the end, those who say to God, "Thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. God will surprise, God will expose, God will divide. Jesus is coming back and we all need to be ready. Are you? Tonight, are, are you ready? Ready for the surprise, ready to be exposed, ready for the great division. It's a very striking parable. It's a very challenging parable, particularly if you don't know Christ. Jesus' words should speak to you and and make you think about where you stand before him. One final observation I want to finish with. Throughout this final summer story, there's a real contrast between being wise and being foolish. So obvious in some ways. The the wise are those who are prepared. The foolish are those who aren't. These themes of, of wisdom and foolishness run throughout the Bible like train tracks they normally come together. L- listen to these verses from Proverbs com- comparing the wise and the foolish. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. What, what's the wise thing to do? As you've read this summer story and as you've heard me try to explain it. Well, the wise thing to do is to live in light of eternity and to make sure that you're ready. The wise thing to do is to trust in the wisdom of God who sacrificed his son on the cross so that you might be rescued. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. You could be here tonight and you could be thinking, well, this is all a little bit extreme. You could be thinking this is all very unrealistic. It sounds more like a disaster film than anything else this is just not going to happen and I can just leave tonight and know that it's never going to be a reality. But the Bible would tell you that you're being a fool if you're not preparing for eternity. But it would also tell you that the wisest thing you can ever do is to trust in the one who has now taken his seat in heaven but will one day return. As you go into this week, make sure that you're wise and make sure that you're ready. Don't be a fool. Don't run from God, instead be wise and run to him. Run to Christ, the one who has paid the price for your rebellion and keep running with him. God will surprise, God will expose, God will divide. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's clear and simple for us to understand and apply to our lives. We thank you for Jesus and for how he has died so that we might live. And we thank you that but part of what it means to trust and know Jesus is that one day we will be with him forever. Father, we look forward to his visible return, the, the, your, 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 your new kingdom, the, the, the new heavens and new earth coming down among us. We pray that that day would come quickly, that Jesus would return soon. But we also pray for those who haven't yet trusted in Christ, that they might trust him for the first time tonight, knowing in certainty that one day you will surprise, you will expose, and you will divide. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that it would linger in our hearts and minds this week and that we would trust in Christ if we haven't already.